When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Anfield Index Under Pressure podcast. My name's Dan Kennett and we're back it's the it's Christmas, it's the time of miracles, and the first time ever we are doing an under pressure solely about a League Cup match. Well, I didn't think it would ever happen, but it has. But And here with me to talk about the fun fest that was Liverpool 5, West Ham 1, uh, I've got our new regular, our most our most common new regular, he's Time Sports writer, Hamza Khalid Lunat. Evening, Hamza. Uh, evening, everyone. Uh, yeah. Uh- Merry Christmas to all. You wouldn't expect this one, League Cup quarterfinal pod, but uh, here we are. We, we said it. We said it on the Monday. He said, if if he picks a strong team, we're going to have to do a pod. So, and here we are. Um, and we've got a treat for you, lovely listeners. He's back. Yes, he's back. Back again. Simon's back. Tell a friend. Yes, he's back. Yes, he's back. He's back. He's Mr. Simon Brundish. Evening, boys. We have to. Uh, that needs to be clipped. <laughs> Dan Kennett rapping. <laughs> I wouldn't even call it that. <laughs> Simon <laughs> Brundish goes round the outside, round the outside. <laughs> yeah. Going to break into the Barnes rap next. <laughs> well, that's more. Uh, they're definitely my more more my era than that. But oh, how are you, buddy? It's, it's weird. I don't know. You guys, you guys ever have like that annoying tune that's just in your head that like some song. And and it just stays in your head all day. Hmm. Like mine, for the majority of my life, it's the anvil rap. <laughs> I'm no joke. It's it's my default, <laughs> like a noise in my head. It's the anvil rap. Oh wow, brilliant! It'll be uh, it'll be Eminem tomorrow. After that, yeah, <laughs> you'll be singing it all day. Right? Um, hey, how you how you doing, buddy? We missed you. Yeah, good. You did a great job without me. I can't deny. I listened to. I li- my brain's not been working properly, so uh, I listened to half of 
of two pods, I think. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what he said though, but I enjoyed it at the time. But you, you're still not fully back. You're still not fully back, but you're well enough to uh, sit in front of a computer for every now for now and again. Yeah. 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 I sat in front of the computer most of the day today, which is the first time. Wow. Anyway, so Sai, there's lots been going on. You're missing the busiest time of the season. There's games every two days, and um, yeah, and then we have we have the biggest league game in a couple of years on the weekend against Arsenal and we had this League Cup game against West Ham right you know three days before it and we picked a pretty we picked a pretty strong team well given that Virgil van Dijk was playing um, oh, that's pretty much says it all you got Zobo who plays who's uh, only most played more minutes in the, in the Premier League than Zobo this season mm. Um, and then and Van Dijk, like, you know, the others, yeah, you know, the rotational squad first teamers, Gakpo, Nunes, Diaz, they're much of a muchness, aren't they, between mm. Mo. Um, Mo actually got a little bit of a rest, uh, but it, it looked from the offset. So um, Kwanzaa is playing basically all the cup games. Harvey is playing all of the cup games. Uh, and Curtis seems to be... Uh, Kelleher. Yeah, and Kelleher, Kelleher's obviously the cup goalie. Yeah. Um, but weirdly, um, so you've got Virgil, who's the standout uh, centre-back. He plays all games. When he's yeah. available, he plays, plays pretty much all of the big games, at least. Um, and so he is at... Where is Virgil? Oh, yeah. Uh, 89% of first-team minutes this season. Uh, and that's that wow. in, in a Champions League season, that would probably be a bit higher. But I, I count Europa League and, and Premier League as first team. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of garbage time in Europa League this season. Isn't there? But so he's he's started and finished 15 full games. Matip started and finished nine. And as centre-backs, Gomez and Ibu and Kwanzaa, uh, have, have finished six, eight, and eight. Mm. Like Quans has played the same number of games as as pretty much the other three centre backs. Mm. I, I think uh, nobody would have called that at the beginning of the season, eh? And and he's going to be uh, he's going to be called on a bit more. Played quite quite well as well. Um, uh, I, I think it's interesting with the midfield injuries we have at the moment that uh, Zobo's playing and Endo, who's he seems to be drip fed, doesn't he? Midweek games at the moment, he's well, playing half. Well, he's playing. This is uh, Endo's tenth start in the last fourteen matches. Yeah, crazy. It's coming in. Yeah, I mean uh, that was you, he, you, he you, and Mac you, have you, both played six full games each. Okay, crazy. Wow. In yeah. the league, they've both start and finished six full games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this was potentially a, a risky selection, given we played Man United on, so we got three games in six days. Um, how do you think we're managing this from from a sports science and load perspective? You've got, you've got a theory? Um, I think we're treating all of the players equally like they have no previous injury histories specific to um, individual players. And we are proactively um, rotating. We're strategically rotating to make sure players are top, top stuff. We've talked about for years yeah. before, top um, yeah. which largely, uh, obviously I'm on board with. There is 
you know, it makes a ton of sense. It's just that uh, it feels a little bit like they aren't factoring in other key metrics. So um, they're trying to keep uh, sustainable loads for players. So uh, like currently the chronic load, which is uh, the three-week average, all very nice. Earboos is 108, um, which that is kind of optimal. You probably want it closer to, to, to 120. Virgil's is, is 100, but his career is 132. So you want it for first choice players like that. But whenever whenever Ibu um, averages more than um, 60 minutes uh, chronic load for three consecutive weeks, in his career, he breaks. Hmm. So, just like the Dejan Lovren stat, we could he never he never started eight games in a row without getting injured. Uh, six, Lovren six was six. six. Yeah, yeah, six, six games. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I just feel like we have to we have to look at that. He hasn't been injured, which is great, but we've got a whole bunch more games coming up. In you know, we're we're managing this up to um, Union, Man United, West Ham. But we're then we then we have quick quick turnaround for Arsenal. Quicker turnaround for Burnley. Yeah, three um, days again, isn't it, to Burnley? Yeah. And, and then we finally got, was it five days to Newcastle? Five days to Newcastle. So we have yeah. the uh, two full days rest, which are the first one since the international break. Crazy. Crazy. And and because of the, um, the EFL thing, which we're so in love with, we have two more um, by the end of January. Yeah. Full in days midweek, of rest. in midweeks, yeah. We have, yeah, no, we have two full days of. Uh, well, I'm, I'm guessing that we're going to get through in the FA Cup, um, <laughs> because if we're if we're fucking about like this with the Caribou, we're gonna we're gonna play strong teams in the FA Cup. And January is designed for it. To be fair, like mm. there are no other games. Yeah, there are two Premier League games, three Premier League games after yeah. the, after the, after you you play one on New Year's Day or or the second, and then there's two for the rest of the month, isn't there? Right? Yeah, literally the two weeks apart. Yeah. So you've got the 1st, 13th, and 31st. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's given up to the cops. But because yeah. we're adding midweek games in there, it just reduces that full rest Yeah, where, where players can, you know, systematically, we know, we understand that players are fully recovered in that period. Uh, well, the average player is fully recovered in that period. Yeah. But um, just while the, the last thing I'm going to go, go on about here is that... Um, the precedent is there as a career average, or if we even if we just go for the previous three seasons average, right? Because some of these lads, 22, 23, it's you can't you can't use uh, time game time of 18, 19 year olds when they were playing sporadically just because they were young, not because they were injured. But, um, so far that we're Ibu is at 77 percent of his three year average, and we are. A bit less than half the season. Yeah. So he's, you know, sticking his finger in a socket. He always gets injured. He has, mm. he averages two and a half injuries a season in his career. Yeah. And he averages 145 days missed. Crazy. It's very likely he's going to get injured again before the end of the season. And we don't have any more centre backs. Zobo is also 73% of his three year average. Yeah. Can I can I scare can I scare everyone with a couple more? Yeah, Go Darwin first, and Diaz, sixty-five and seventy-one already. Jesus, yeah. yeah. Of their three-year average, so best practice is to increase thirty percent year season on season. Mm. 
And obviously that can't happen uh, with injuries and stuff. You get forced in. But we are currently 45% through the season. And again, 77% for Ibu. But here's here's me giving the shock numbers. Um, Can you guess what Joe Gomez is at? Um, Of his career average? Of his three-year average. So this Um, is... Or his career average, yeah. I'm going to say 85. 93. Wow. These, we don't have lads that have proven robust, that have proven they could do 3,000 minutes, which is the minimum for a first-team player. Hmm. Um, when our big first-team players are doing five and a half or six. Yeah. Um, so, so, on, on, so on the next full pod we do, we're going to have to, after our, uh, you know, we're going to ask you to look at how many minutes we've got remaining in this season. And then, you know, what that means in terms of, you know, say we've got, Two and potentially got two and a half thousand minutes left, or whatever, across all the competitions, and 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 what that means for players in terms of the see if we can spell out to people what what the um yeah what we're asking to be asking our players to do. Yeah, makes sense. In ways they have Harvey. Before. Harvey is currently very high, but to be fair to him, but he's a kid. It's like I said, you don't look at teenagers because they've not proven. He looks robust. He's only had one injury, and that was from contact. So. You still only look to like increase him thirty percent on last season, though, wouldn't you? That's the rule, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, thirty percent on the previous season. Are you that person who has everything, the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, and hats, to our signature edition mugs prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Well, now <clears throat> Hamza, um, on the on the pod we on uh, on Monday we spent a long time talking about balance and roles and complementary roles, and there were some really interesting things going on in this lineup, wasn't there? Mm, yeah, um, I'll ask. So I'm a question first, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, I'll come back. To, uh, the, the the question I had was, um, you mentioned that Liverpool are sort of a semi sort of risky strategy of building the loads up in midweek matches rather than in training uh, what's the the risk of that is that that you're not specifically in control of like high intensity sprints compared to training as in if if the game just becomes a bit more open they may be doing a bit more running than they would in training where you can control it what, what's the, the 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 risk there yeah that's one significant risk the the biggest one is that is less controlled variable so so in training they're warm for start they're covered up so their muscles are at a, a raised temperature, which is a lower chance of getting uh, soft tissue injuries, which is what Ibu is prone to. They're way less likely to get clubbed by an, by a, an opponent in training, which is, you know, significant. I, Ibu's been out twice in the last two seasons from not even big tackles, just from a little bit of contact. Um, it was the one against Brentford where he stretched and did his hamstring, didn't he? Yeah, there's one. But when he, the last preseason game, last season... Mm. 
and he he just got a bit of a dead leg. It looked like he was, and out, he was, out, for, he was out for 115 days. Fucking hell! <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so th- th- that's another thing. Um, oh, a couple really of other things is that is that you either believe in the process of warm ups structured warm-ups right why would they come out at 25 past seven for an eight o'clock kickoff and do uh, and gradually ramp up and do these specific warm-up things for for um 35 minutes if that wasn't optimal you don't see a sub do that subs don't do that subs just come on and they might be coming on at 60 but but if you're in the ground you'll see them do a seven minute absolutely at the most seven minute warm-up it's usually closer to three so the warm-ups work or not if they work that's why everybody in the world uses them then you are leaving yourself susceptible to bring to soft tissue injury by bringing those guys on uh, um, as subs so so i fundamentally believe that that ibu should only start games um or come on at half time that's that that's the medium ground in there um yeah so I, I don't know what we, I, I, I just feel like uh, we're taking big risks with a couple of our, of our players that the probability is that Ibu, of Ibu remaining fit for the rest of the season, uh, the mathematical probability is 2.6% given his previous history. But, and but the, the good news is though, Sai, is that it could be say like the back off of 21, 22 season where, Nabi Keita was basically, you know, rotating with Thiago, wasn't he, for the pretty much the whole whole of the second half of the season. Yeah. And and you know, and you know, they they pretty much alternated in, in the same position and and both stayed fit. Um but Nabi you know, was broken much. for us, but he had played a five thousand minute season before. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you need you do need a little bit of luck. And I yeah. think we need a two point two point six percent. We need a lot of luck. And uh, do we all agree that that's really essential? And given how many minutes um, that Gomez is being used as a fullback, which is more intense than a centre-back. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the likelihood of him remaining fit for the rest of the season is 6.4%. Yeah. It does look like now is would be the opportunity to, with Joel being out for the whole season, to... If you've got summer targets at centre back or or full back, then to look to see if we can bring those forward and get them in January, doesn't it? Makes sense. Or maybe it's Kwanzaa. Yeah, but like you said, covering full back minutes as well. So yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Sorry, um, does that answer your question, Hamza? It, it did. Yeah. Uh, sorry for putting us on a small tangent, but uh, that, that yeah, uh, exactly. That I just wanted to know what the the difference was in, in practice. But yeah, to to come to back to to Darth's question, uh, more. Conventional four three three style, um, with a clearly defined uh, sort of two at the back, uh, one defensive midfielder, uh, mm. and then conventional sort of fullbacks. I mean, if you look at the average position on um, who scored and stuff, Gomez is sort of tucked in, uh, and Jones is also sort of tucked in. But you you clearly see a sort of well defined sort of three at the back, as in two centre yeah. backs and then, and then the Endo uh, and then you've got on the wings uh, in terms of roles here so you've got uh, like I said just previously J- Jones was tucking in and Jones also was getting into the box as well uh, doing all round stuff as he as he does uh, but Nunez was on the, on the left wing Elliot was on the right wing and then later on in the match Diaz came into the centre uh, so a few different things here 
that we may not have necessarily expected. Uh, yeah, but, but we was- talked. About, I think we talked about three positions in particular, didn't we, on the last pod? We talked about Graben Birch in the left eight, Diaz left wing, and Nunes centre centre forward. And all of those three positions changed in this match, and roles changed. So we had the Jones for Graben Birch, obviously, which has been a theme of the season, um, and we'll come on to Curtis in a lot more detail. Um, but Darwin going over to the left instead of Diaz, because um, we talked um, on the pod, didn't we, the, with the end that Bartz was saying maybe give Cody a go in the left and then with Darwin in the centre. But this time it was actually pushing Nunes out there. I mean, how did you think you, How did you think it went compared to um, the previous you know, four matches or so? Uh, I think, uh, it's, again, if you just go on the, the who scored breakdown, like, uh, you can have a look at the, sort of the sides that teams attack down and, uh, 40% Liverpool's attacks again on the left. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, as in, we mentioned previously, uh, Diaz's shot production is down. Uh, so you lose that sort of threat from the left. Uh, uh but obviously Nunez is, uh, if he's anything, he, he's, if he's one thing, it is a, a shot monster. Uh, so having that volume of shots from the left just gives a bit more verticality and forward thrust to, to that left side. Uh, so that helped balance that out a bit more. Uh, there's one thing that, um, was mentioned to me yesterday by Harry, uh, and I haven't had a chance to look into this yet, but uh, if anyone has any thoughts, uh, on, on the Discord, please, uh, drop them in or if you guys have any thoughts. Uh, it was about how, um, sort of, how to think about Diaz on the left, but as in, we often think on the right side, Trent and Salah come as a two, as in they understand their movements and their, and how they play with one another. Uh, and for not last season, but the half season before, uh, Diaz on the left was playing with Robertson all the time. So that relationship was allowed to build. This season, because Robertson's been injured and a few other things happened with Diaz, that relationship hasn't been there and Diaz has been in and out of the team and instead he's had Simicast. So um, if you guys have any thoughts on if that actually, if you guys think it affects how Diaz plays or or, or interacts just because Simicast plays the left side just a bit differently to, to Robbo, that'd be interesting. But um that's just an aside. And if anyone on Discord has any thoughts about that, I'd welcome mm. them. Uh, because, like, like I said, we, we often give a, a lot of attention to how Salah and Trent interact, and, and rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, but it might be interesting to think about who interacts with Diaz, because we do think about how Grav interacts with Diaz too. Uh, and that's just not as sort of uh, productive as perhaps when, when Germans will play on the left side. Yeah. Um, and... So, I mean, you, you haven't had the chance to come on and talk about we've been pretty stodgy in 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 the league in the last four games. Um, how how have you seen us in terms of our fluency and all that degrading? And what what have you pinpointed as the the biggest problems in your eyes? I, I feel like we've been too narrow and uh, too do, too dominated by Trent. First thought is give Trent the ball. Trent constantly wants to come inside. It, there, there were moments where he went. He kind of remained, but he always, it looks like it's reluctant to go out, go and stand on the wing. Um, and what you're doing is you're conceding 20 or 30 metres of the of the width of the pitch to the opposition to make it easier to defend. And when you're playing against like, teams like Man United, um, in this, just let's just take it into this game. Um, we had how many 17 shots from outside the box? Um, uh, yeah, it's 29 in the last two matches. But it looked more threatening because, and we end up scoring because we were shooting, we only had four defenders in the way. Uh, against United, we were shooting deeper than the midfield. 
So they had midfielders in the way and centre-backs and defenders, and they were all within the width of the six-yard box. So it, it, had to, it has to be pinball to get through all of those. It's just going to get, get blocked. That's, yeah. that's why we've got 24 block shots. Yeah. Um, and in this game, it, we, we, we had shots from outside the box, but because West Ham set up the way they set up and tried to attack us, their midfield were already bypassed. So you only had to either move, shift it um, and get like six inches of space either side of a, of a centre back, but you only had one layer of depth to beat. If you get it past the defender, it was going towards the goal. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, but systematically, I feel like we are we have been interchange in relation to this game because I don't know what how much stock we can put into one game against West Ham's reserves, but we had much greater structure in this game and we've been thinking we're Ajax uh, in 1993 for the last uh, a couple of months really where we're we're so fluid players are so interacting and um, and taking one another's positions that the timing of which needs to be perfect but not only the timing the intensity of the movement needs to be perfect i think you you saw with Curtis's second goal. You see, no, with the Curtis's first goal in this game, the um, a really good example of that. That one uh, two meter burst deep freed him up. Darwin did a similar thing, and then he had a thirty yard sprint in, as soon as he made a pass. And that's the intensity. It's the intensity. Um, I, I talk about it. What's next? You make a pass. What's next? It's it's the thing you choose to do and act upon after you've received a pass. It's the intensity of that, the speed of that, that determines the tempo of the game. And we've been really slow and looking for Trent. Trent's having one or two, three or four touches. He's been carrying the ball towards 10 man deep. It's not, I'm, I'm not blaming Trent. It's just, it's literally how the systems work because everybody is uh, taking each other's space. If you aren't fast in in what you're doing next, what happens is you end up getting bogged down in the middle and it feels like that's what's been happening. And we're not doing it quick enough to create instability in the opposition, which we did in this game, which breaks the lines. Um, So the opposition gets set. They can slowly wander back and get set. And we also have stopped making switches. Uh, And that's the, it's the intensity of what's next alongside switches that that can cause that can disrupt uh, a structured deep line formation if you if you actually utilize the the whole width of the pitch they have to move over and at some point the thing i'm talking about with the the timing of our runs within our formation if you keep making the opposition switch at some point one of their seven players is going to be slightly delayed which creates the gap yeah yeah 100 percent um and Bartz has been very frustrated, particularly with um, Gravenberg and Diaz, and you know almost that ending up on top of each other, but not at the same time without interacting with each other. They're almost like two solo artists, you know, and who are trying to do the same thing, but neither of them end up succeeding. It's like, um, and this game we pushed Hamza, we pushed Nunes onto the left, and to be fair, he held the width on the left a lot more than um, Diaz has been doing in recent games. 
Yeah, um, it's a characteristic that he has, as in he, he likes to dribble in uh, from the left uh, and he's well positioned. So I just saw a good graphic on Twitter, which I'll drop into the Discord. Um, he, he's quite good at carrying the ball from those areas, receiving uh, on his right foot and then breaking forward from them. Uh, and, and that, what it does, it helps um, just in terms of, if you, if you, I think we discussed this the other day, but if you start from a wide position and break inwards, uh, it's harder for an op- uh, opponent to track you. Uh, than it is if you start from an inside position because you're already in sort of a cramped area. And plus, the, the, if you, let's say you start your run sort of um, in the middle third, but sort of in line with the edge of the penalty area. So obviously on the, on the left side, right? Um, it, if you're heading inward from there, uh, it's quite cramped. You're already going to have two centre-backs there. There's not yeah. really much space between them. Uh, if you're starting that run just 10 yards to the left of there, uh, suddenly the opponents have to spread out just a bit more. Uh, well, they'd like to. Uh, and then you can isolate a fullback, take them both ways. And if, you, if you're running inside, the idea is that you're not necessarily going to be running straight into uh, a fullback and the centre-back and the centre-back next to them. It might be a fullback and a bit of space and then the centre-back, uh, which is just a bit more useful. And when you pair that with uh, a striker uh, who's also positioned themselves sometimes pinning the centre-backs, uh, then you, you're, you're asking uh, more difficult questions of the defenders. Uh, so it, let's say I'm standing between two centre-backs and Nunez is out wide on the left and I'm the striker. Yeah. Uh, suddenly the two centre-backs are, are thinking, okay, there's a guy who's quite quick and he's running towards us from the left. Uh, this is a direct run towards a box. How do we react? And the, thing, uh, and the fullback will think, okay, I'll close him down. But the right centre-back, uh, who I'm stood between him and the left centre-back, he's going to think, if the fullback closes him down, there's going to be space between me and the fullback now. Uh, but if I step out, this this striker that's pos- positioned between himself and the other centre-back uh, is going to be behind me so I can't see him, uh, which makes it a bit, a bit more difficult to, uh, to follow. Uh, so, yeah... Uh, on, on that side, uh, it, it helps to have uh, a player that's very quick, who's very direct, uh, whose first action is is not necessarily inside, but sort of diagonally forward as well. Uh, so yeah, Nunez does that quite well. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Can I, can I say an extra layer of what Nunes does, does also does well? Yes. Uh, in So he obviously hasn't been scoring since uh, he... Ten games. But he hasn't been scoring since uh, they came back from the international break. And, oh, my God, there couldn't have been more um, celebration of of Diaz and Darwin, could there? Like, they were the greatest things on earth. Look, Darwin's coming out party, scoring against Argentina and Brazil. 
what he has scored two goals against in in in, in Sao yeah, Paulo, where it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so is that the momentum thing you talk about? Um, but it's that confidence. He's lacking in confidence when he isn't scoring. But he wasn't lacking in confidence then, was he? Uh, when he came back and he was absolutely buzzing. When uh, when he's gone on um, uh, an eight game not scoring streak, he's got one assist in that in that period. But the thing he does have in 549 minutes since coming back from the international break is 19 offsides. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yes. Even in, lead, even in this game where there were some nice things for him. The lead, still, the lead is 15. Yeah, he still gets offside three times. God, it's doing... <laughs> I think Diaz was caught offside quite a bit as well. Yeah. So uh, I think... Last time I checked, we had both of them in the top 15 in the league. I'm just going to pull it up now to, to double check, which doesn't help just in terms of sort of attack stagnating and produce turnover. I'm just... Yeah, that's five I'm in one game, yeah. Uh, yeah. Nice. Um, uh, I've got it well, up now. Sorry, I'll just be a second. Uh, here we go. Uh, yeah, Nunez is second with 14 in the league. And then Diaz is... Oh, there he is. He's fifth with 10. So yeah, wow. it's not ideal to to have uh, that many in the in the top. Five. Nearly all Diaz's has been. Uh, nearly all Diaz has been. Only two of them were before this in last international break. Mm. And he also has played considerably fewer minutes than the guy on top. So, so more fun news, more more nice things. Harvey yeah. Elliott, um, in the Mo Salah um, impression role, I thought he did a pretty serviceable job of it. What did you think? Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he, as Klopp said, he interpreted the position differently. Yeah. Um, well, nobody can be Mo Salah. No one. Literally no, no one. And he wasn't, there was only one moment where he tried to run him behind. Um, yeah. And Mo Salah was on at that point. He was playing midfield. Um, but what he did do, he was receiving all positions. I, I don't know if you guys noticed, the ball was bouncing really high. There were loads of times in the game, maybe 20 times in the game, where, where we were controlling the ball brilliantly from a ball that bounced, and it bounced like two or three feet in the air. So, like the worst kind of position to control control the ball from. And I thought we were brilliant at that. So um, is, this, is, this the, is this the opposite of the Bill Belichick deflate gate? Yeah, maybe. Is this inflate gate against West Ham? Maybe, maybe the pitch was too dry because it was so windy. It was very windy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, can, yeah. So, can confirm it was very windy last night. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe along those lines. I don't know. But, um, yeah. Well, he, my, my Christmas decorations blew down off the house. All the external ones got absolutely battered. That's how windy it was last night. Our, our front door number came off. <laughs> I, I, I screwed onto the door. I've no idea. It's crazy. Um, anyway. But um, the what point was going to be, Si, the point I was going to ask you was, first half of last season, we got absolutely sick to death of talking about Elliot and, and Elliot, the Elliot role and Trent inverting and all that, and then the team being absolutely horrible. Yeah. But he did this. He played in a very, very similar area of the pitch, right? One huge difference. He had Dominic Zbosley just behind him. Running past him. Yeah. And overlapping, yeah, and all those things. Yeah, I, I actually don't think he played it in the way that he played it last season. I think he was much more comfortable. He was he was basically a, um, an outside-in 10, and he just came to get the ball and set the tempo for the team. Um, and he doesn't turn the ball over, and he's always trying to play a threatening pass, um, which you've got to celebrate. And and in this game, he wasn't overrun by anybody physical, yeah. which is his biggest weakness. 
Um, so in compared to last season where where I thought his in in we've talked about it before that that CJ had been told to corral his uh, natural attacking dribbling instincts and keep hold of the ball uh, that was the the most important thing was him for him was positioning and um and preventing transitions so yeah. by giving the ball away or making sure that he was physically preventing the opposition transition i think um that last season Harvey was busy uh, working as a function of the structure of the team so so his role was to stay wide to allow Mo to come inside I don't think that's the case particularly in this game he was just going wherever he liked and really influencing the game yeah I, th- I think he's got a lot of trust from the other players they were giving him the ball when he was being marked yeah I mean the iron the, the iron thing is is that in the WM which we didn't play last night the most creative players on the pitch have always been the inside left and the inside right and where Harvey played last night was very much an inside right position, but he played it in a four three three. Yeah. Nominally on the right of the front three, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, uh, allowing Zobo to run past him. I d I didn't think we saw any of his weaknesses, but it allowed him to play to his strengths as well. Because he had a yeah. platform behind him as well. His his possession control is is generally in the zero to minus five. For an attacking midfielder, that's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, should we talk? Should we talk about another attacking midfielder who's got phenomenal possession control? Um, <laughs> well, Dominic Zabos. Maybe we could talk about him. But I was going to talk about Curtis Jones. Um, and one of the things that Bart has been pulling his hair about, um, he's got a little bit more hair than you. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair to say, Bart. But he's been about grab doesn't connect with anybody statistically. Doesn't. There's no. EPV or XT, you know, any lines linking Grav with anybody on any of his past maps the last four games. And in this match, Curtis Jones has links with literally everybody. He's got links to seven other outfield players, which which is phenomenal for, for that position. All of the yeah. front three, plus the Bosley, plus Endo, plus Van Dyke. Incredible. Facilitator. Um, and then he gradually it's, turned it's, into it's, a dominator in the game, didn't he? It's rare that you see... Um, when you're trying to look at stuff, a single player who links with literally everybody else on the pitch and in a creative way, which is like the complete opposite of Graf, what we've seen from Graf. Yeah. To be fair to Graf, I think he's another street baller. Um, but he also, if you look at when he, when he came in, in the second international break, the, I think we've had six full training days. Like, right. For yeah, him yeah. to learn the system, that's really, really hard. He doesn't have a preseason where everyone stood around in the warmth um, talking about what position they should be in and at which moment they switch and what happens when the ball's here and if there's a turnover here, what happens. So they must have simplified the instructions to him to to reduce the cognitive stress, but also... They're probably going to pick three of maybe 40 different instructions the other players are perfectly aware of now um, that he has to focus on that will give him the opportunity to be himself but but won't risk the team. And yeah. and CJ has been born into this. Yeah. Oh, it, took, it's, it took him a while to get into it, didn't he? Like you said, he had to rein in all his natural instincts. Yeah. And, and convert himself effectively. But he's listened to all the team meetings. He's been through hundreds of days of training. That's the big difference. So if if you have the capacity to learn 
um, which naturally he's not like an academic kid. And I, 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 no, I don't think anybody's disputing any of that, Si. The question is, is that Jones played the first game back against Man City after the international break, the biggest game of the season. And then he's lost his place in the team, in the league. Yeah. That's the thing. It. And I we, we agree I, with all of that. But I wonder if course, it came about as part of the rotation. Hmm. And they just strategically, I don't know, he missed because he started. the The problem was that uh, I think they were trying to modify his chronic load, that um, build it up slowly because he'd coming back from in. So he'd been out for two weeks, two and a half weeks before um, the international break. So he'd he'd missed three full weeks of of training. And they um, and then he started play fifty five. Then he came on as a sub um, and played forty. So you got ninety. You got ninety four there for the week. And then they tried to to gradually improve that, but modify it. And they ended up probably through game state um, missing one. If that makes sense. So right. so he didn't come on at all against Fulham, but then he only came on for thirty something against Brentford and Palace. And that was the the time where his chronic load couldn't, should have been increased and it wasn't. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah. But you've been champion, championing CJ for ever since he broke into the team. Um, but I thought one, last night was one of his very best performances in a red shirt. He, he didn't look like a kid anymore, did he? Like, no. Everybody knows my opinion on CJ here. Well, like, what does Hamza think? Because, like, your objective, you get to you get to write up for the international well, teams. He followed the under-21s. He was the under-21 feature writer, wasn't he, in the summer? So... <laughs> Very yeah. big fan of Curtis, aren't you? Um, Curtis is uh, arguably that well playing the tour- he playing the tournament. There, I think it was between him and uh, I think Anthony Gordon got it in the end, but um, it was between him, um, Gordon, and uh, Jacob Ramsey. Oh. Uh, Cole was excellent as well, but uh, the, the, those three just sh- showed the sort of level of performance that was sort of head and shoulders above the rest. Cole was also excellent, but um, it, for at least the group stages, he wasn't really challenged at all uh, because England were just better than most of their opponents. The only match where England had to knuckle down was the final and the quarterfinal against Portugal. Uh, but um, it, it, in that, and I think I may have mentioned this previously, what um, he and Ramsey showed was an ability to understand when to accelerate play and when not to. 
Uh, and for that team in particular, when you're surrounded by a bunch of uh, young kids uh, in an international tournament, um, a lot of them, their first thought is forward, 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 100% speed, uh, trying to sort of um, use their physicality because these a lot of these players are Premier League uh, players, unlike the other internationals, uh, and to make sure that they can demonstrate their skill with the ball, their ability to run past players, their ability to get shots off. Uh, but what separates a, a sort of a, a keen young player from an excellent one is one that sort of plays at a different speed or understands when to play at different speeds. Uh, so... Jones was particularly adept in that tournament about dropping into space, playing as a six, then moving over to the left side, uh, combined with Angel Gomez, who is al- who also was playing as a six, um, but he developed as an at- attacking midfield in the Manchester United Academy and then went to Lille, uh, but he's quite small, uh, so he had to take up some of those more physical responsibilities in that team as well, so he was receiving, playing through, uh, and then on the left side, he had this um, great sense of when when the, he would move the ball from left to right, left to right, left to right. And then as the space opened up, he was the one, either him or Ramsey, that is actually, uh, that would suddenly switch the play on and then they'd break forward and they'd sense when the attack was and they go. Um, and there's a really cool bit of analysis. It's quite sort of early stage analysis, this uh, James Moyne uh, from Statsbomb. As it so happened, I was talking to uh, Kev Lawson at the Statsbomb conference and I was asking you about sort of the speed at which does anyone measure like sort of literal ball speed on the pitch as in like is there any upside to someone that passes fast? Uh and he said no, but what you could do is you could take the event data and you could get the sort of receipt time of a pass and then the the time at which it's released and then work out which players are quick. Uh and as it so happened, uh, that was a few months ago and James Moyne did something similar, uh, and he sort of attached a a one second uh sort of a definition for a, for a sort of fast sort of a release uh and there's a few um players that feature quite well uh from Liverpool at least uh Elliot um Jones uh Endo Grav uh, and the cool thing and then he added an additional sort of layer to this and he said uh, okay we've established which players are sort of quick uh, getting the ball and spreading it uh but which players are able to do this and also find their sort of teammates in space uh, and this is where Curtis features really, really well. So um, of the percentage of quick passes defined as a, uh, as a second that are received by a teammate in space, and that is five metres or more, uh, Curtis is beaten only by Rodri. Uh, these are players with 400 Premier League minutes this season or more. Uh, so Rodri, Jorginho, uh, just about Edson Alvarez, uh, Belaber and Rothwell. Uh, most of those are, are deep, uh, Curtis plays a bit higher than all of them. Uh, and the, of, another thing to remember here, a player that's going to be in five meters of space typically is not going to be, it's, a, it's an opportunity thing, right? So the, your teammates need to, need to be in space for you to find them in space. Uh, but, um, Jones features quite well for that. So as we've just sort of like gone through, he, he has a sense of when to accelerate play and ability to actually move the ball quickly and an ability to find teammates in space. Uh, so, these three elements make him a really useful player and then you combine that with the pass percentage which is really high and you you, you understand why he's he, he's so valuable to a team like, like Liverpool and to, to I imagine to quite a few teams I think you've just done a very nice annotation of the that visual from Bart with it which I put into the under pressure group exactly what you know that the you, all those things you praised about Curtis, and I think it, um, especially when you said at the start that everybody around him is fast, fast, fast. 
and he knows when to slow it down. And I think that's the kind of thing we've been discussing in recent pods, isn't it? There's the balance. We you can't have you can't have the three players like Duna, Nunes, Diaz, and and Gravenberg all just bombing on doing their own thing. There has to be that balance of somebody who knows when to knows how to control things more. Right? There has to be. Yeah. And uh, did you, there's a quote from from Klopp as well about the second goal. Uh, I think I've got it up here. My um, second goal was exactly what Curtis can do. He has his speed, but doesn't use it often enough. We tell him quite frequently, today he did it. And uh, hopefully that's an eye-opener for him, as in the ability to sort of accelerate with the ball yeah. uh, and speeding it up. Uh, the, one interesting thing as well, and this is more sort of a less localised to Curtis, but it's the whole team. Uh, so on the, the Opta Analyst website, they have this uh, this nice matrix. I think, again, we discussed this before. It's the passes per sequence on the X-axis and then the direct speed on the Y-axis. Yeah. Uh, so a team that uh, is sort of indirect, they play a lot of passes to sort of build up and get towards a goal, sort of features on the bottom right. And that's someone like Manchester City, uh, Arsenal, Brighton, a team that's really direct and sort of moves the ball up the quick very quick uh, moves the ball up the pitch very quickly without very many passes per sequence like Everton is on the top left uh, but Liverpool <laughs> Liverpool are really peculiar right so they they operate in the top right quadrant uh, and like no one else plays like this uh, Liverpool's average sort of um passes per sequence is around 4.23 uh, and their direct speed is a uh, just above 1.9 meters per second. Uh, so just to give that some context, right? So the only teams that have uh, a high number of passes per sequence are Spurs, Chelsea, Arsenal, Brighton, and City. And the only teams that play in a more fast and direct manner are Everton, Forest, and West Ham. And then if you look across Europe's top leagues, there, there aren't really many any teams that sort of play mm. like this. Yeah. Um, Leipzig and Stuttgart are probably the most similar and that's about it it's a really sort of unique way of of playing because Liverpool have been a possession team past three seasons four seasons five seasons uh but this season they're a possession team but also super quick at progressing at upfield uh, which in some ways means that um you want to see more of Curtis accelerating and uh, and in other ways you do also definitely want to see him slow the game down as well but um the the clock quote it seems like what's the you no know, I think I think it's more yeah that side bring you back in I think it's more that you you always talked about this and it's it's the Gini role but with output yeah but I, I I would like to touch on a couple of those uh, points Hamza Hamza said like I love the uh, the uh, the deeper advanced stats but problem is I've seen the up to three sixty on the uh, the speed direction stuff um, that you were talking about first that uh, look at those deep line playmakers those like Rodri um, or Edison Alvarez or whatever right passing to somebody in five meters so what happens is Virgil passes. Three meters into uh, into heart into somebody dropping deep. Let's say Endo, and Endo just rebounds a pass to Matip, who is in five meters of space, twelve meters away. Um, like that, it it fools those numbers, so it misleads you a little bit. So they need an extra layer of it needs to be in the final third and needs to be going forward. Does that make sense? Yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't actually tell the story they think they're telling. Mm. Um. That's why that's why there are so many sixes in that. So what what C, CJ isn't passing to a centre back. So he no. is doing the thing you want to that you you hope to be telling the story of, but the other sixes are stat padding by passing straight back to a centre back. Harvey's similar, 
in that Harvey rebounds passes directly back to whoever just give it to him. He does it all the time. Um, he's really good at it. And that's how he retains possession. When he comes as a subs, he helps us to control games that way just by moving the ball three feet. And as long as the person playing into him has done the next thing really quickly and just moved to the side two metres uh, in, in that time, and he gets it back just ahead of him so he can actually move move the ball. He's created space and he's done all this good stuff, but it's not a thorough through pass. Um, what was the second thing we were talking about? Jesus Christ. Um, Sorry, si, um, time is against us this evening, right. um, but I just do want to just... You talk about the great goal. We talk about possession control. Well, yeah, I just want to talk about possession control first. I don't know if you listened to the last pod where you talked about um, Curtis's... Um, Pass completion in the Premier yeah. League, and there's only I think he was six in all midfields, and all the ones behind, ahead of him were DMs, basically like Rodri uh, and Belaber. But he he beat his season average in this match, ninety three percent he was in this match, playing as an attacking eight, fifty six out of sixty passes, two chances created, seven shots, five on target, point six seven xg, and one point six post shot, just an absolutely outstanding stats line. He also had possession control of any positive match. three. Wow. Scoring two Playing goals. as an attacking. Yeah. Unbelievable. So he he won this the is ball one, this three wasn't times just one more of his, than he lost it. This is what this wasn't just one of his best performances in a Liverpool shirt. It's one of the best performances in a Liverpool shirt by any player. It's just a staggeringly good performance. Yeah. Statistically. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about his goal? Quickly, the three, well, if we just rumble through the, uh, let me get it up. I'm on the wrong, oh, just on the wrong sheet, that's all. Um, welcome, Hamza, to my 430 sheets. Uh, I have the same one. Oh, come on. There we go. Uh, yeah, first goal uh, was the brilliance of Zobo. Like, knuckleball, man. That's a knuckleball. Yeah. That's so hard to do. He's, he's utterly yeah. brilliant, that guy. We 20, need to get him that, that more was, opportunities. That was the 23rd shot, uh, continuing the discussion of outside-the-box shooting against Man United, that was the 23rd shot in 120 minutes. It was the which, 27th shot between goals. Yeah, which it, we talk about that, that you know, long-term average of score, converting shots from outside-the-box is 4.8%. So, yeah, there you go. We will bang on it. But do then we remember, didn't break it. Do you remember how? We, do you remember the the shitty Nat Phillips season? Yes. Uh, when we had fifty eight shots between goals. Yeah, that was killer. But this is this is that. So uh, you guys would be happy with the press of uh, Kwanzaa that won the ball back on the halfway line and really quick progressive pass into into Zobo and he just turned and knuckled it, which was brilliant. Um, second goal, Endo won it. Played in CJ, and when he received the ball, this is what Klopp was turning about. When he received the ball with his back to goal, because he just dropped two meters, there were nine players between the ball and the goal, and he f- he feed the ball around the corner to Darwin, who smartly dropped from his offside position. Um, and what you're talking about, like what we we typically associate Darwin with speed, with playing too fast. Uh, he actually, I, I think he has a propensity sometimes to hold the ball too long while he's making a decision. Um, and in this case, it worked beautifully. He held the ball long enough that CJ could turn, sprint 30 metres and then get fed back in with a lovely uh, lovely pass inside the fullback. Uh, and then he stuck it through his legs. 
you want me to go for all goals? No, just um, Hamza, have you got a favourite one from the of the goal of the match last night? Uh, the Curtis one is the best, but what I do like about the the fourth one is uh, if you watch it back, or you, you may notice it live uh, as the ball goes to was that Salah? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, and it's West Ham's number. So what, what happens is uh, Salah initially sort of jumps in to sort of press. And then he realizes that there's an opportunity to cheat on the press and run in behind. And, and he does that for the first tackle. So it's not the second tackle is the one that Trent makes and sort of, uh, and then kicks it forward. But he's already cheating because I think he noticed. No who's West? Yeah. Who's West Ham's number 15? Let me just check. Mavropanos. So, so Mavropanos has, um, has ran forward. And Mavropanos was their centre-back. Uh, so Salah's just noticed immediately that there's space to go into. And, and he's uh, in our half as well. Yeah. Uh, so he, he, he's zoomed straight ahead and uh, into Liverpool's half. And Salah's gone, there's space here. And he's ready to, to sort of cheat on that first press and runs in behind. Uh, and Mavropanos sort of escapes the first tackle. But then then Kwanzaa sort of marks Paqueta and then Trent plays it. And because of that, Salah's already like well ahead. So um, I just quite like that how he noticed in the first phase of that move uh, to, to, to go and uh, cheat on the press and, and sort of sense that uh, the moment to go forward. And then um, second Curtis goal is really nice as well. Um, uh, it's just a shame. Yeah. Um, That's a really good example of a progressive carry. <laughs> oh, actually. And it's very, very long progressive carry. Yeah. Um, well, Canate had a progressive carry, didn't he, for oh, yeah, the yeah, Gakpo yeah. goal. Gakpo goal. So, so um, uh, I think in the Manchester United match as well, according to Mark R. Stats package, I think Canate was the, the team's top carrier. Right. Which, as in, as in, they were just giving him the ball. But yeah, 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 as in, likes with it. Like, yeah, there's, there's not too much in it because the, the Manchester United was sat back, so you'd expect him to be able to carry the ball upfield against a press that doesn't exist, right? Uh, but the important thing is, if teams are going to give him the ball, then he needs to do more of this, the sort of Matip-style dribble. He gets a bit lucky because I think there's a interception that spills his way. Yeah. Uh, but as in, yeah, as in, that's what you're going to hope that he does. If he, um, if he, if he can build up a body of work so that teams won't want to give him the ball so readily. That's a really good thing because it'll make us become more balanced straight away. Yeah. If he can actually become, yeah, if he, if he can start learning that Matic role and becoming a genuine threat, carrying it forward more often. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, all the goals are quite nice. Uh, Curtis Very nice. Was, yeah. Um, four, goals, four goals were from, were within three passes of winning the ball back. So that's the, that that was the other thing I was going to talk about from what you said about the speed of our play is that is that our numbers are grossly inflated with that because of that that's what we like to do win the ball back and score counter press yeah yeah it's the counter pressing that is our fast play our problem is not systematic it's not how we we can win all of the league the problem is when teams don't want the ball in the first place with us yeah yeah, that Man United will be, and good. we have no opportunity to get to Gegenbrush then. And then we've got to figure out how to play slow. Um, final question, Sai. Um, last night was the throwback to the classic Klopp four three three. No real attempt to invert Gomez from fullback. Held the width high. Played a very good game. What do you think this means for the system? And um, do you think we'll still see? Trent inverting most of the time, and do you think it'll just be maybe we can mix it up a bit more in terms of the four three three and the and the WM? What do you think? 
I'm not sure what we've seen from a rotation perspective with Trent and Gomez makes an awful lot of sense for us to be able to predict. That's, I would love a system in which uh, we promoted Sobo to have to be uh, our... Uh, yeah, leaving leave, leave personnel aside. Do, well, do you, would... not leaving personnel aside. I think this that's key to this formation system. Like, okay. so, so if Trent's not there... You don't have to worry about the whole fucking inverting stuff. Zobo gets more of the ball higher up yeah. the pitch. Um, but, but, but until this game, we had been trying to do it when Trent wasn't there. Inverting a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah which is just stupid. So so this is a game of, spe- of space. Hamza talks about it a lot. Um, with the structure, you've got somebody in every zone. And we don't, with all of the fluidity we have, we end up leaving four zones of the pitch unmanned and and the 4-3-3 that we played with last night uh, a dropping 10 uh well a dropping nine and uh an out outside in um left wing i think what we did was the inverse of what we used to do um with mané coming from de- dropping deeper and mo staying high last night we had harvey dropping deeper and darwin staying high so the opposite side of the pitch but again, uh, a much better blend across the front, the roles of the front three and the way they did it. Yeah, the previous yeah, yeah, matches. Yeah, yeah. But also, it's so much easier when the opposition have three players. They've got an inside-out eight, and they've got a fullback, and they've got the, the wide player. So you've got ostensibly two players to mark three, unless the yeah. midfielders are going with them. And if the midfielders are going with them, one, you're causing stress and fatigue physiologically. So at some point, they're gonna they're gonna make a mistake. Uh, but two, you're also dictating where there is space elsewhere on the pitch. And because we we are refusing to use those four zones are the widest parts of the pitch, that it's so much easier to direct traffic if you're in the middle of the pitch and block up yep. our lanes. Yep. So it was interesting that we you got less defending last night. We got the conclusions we we did with uh with using the whole of the pitch. Amen. Well, let's hope we see more of that over Christmas. But I do want to say thank you, Sai, for returning. I hope you enjoyed it. It was fun. It was fun. It was a fun game. And a massive thanks, Hamza, coming on twice in a week. Huge. We we know you. I think I think it's fair to say you're the new most popular member. Most popular member of the team. You seem to have a lot of fans already, which is great. My Not jealous, honest. High. I just need to make sure I don't spike it by more than 30%. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. But Merry Christmas, guys. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody listening. And uh, we will be back for a monster pod on the 27th to look at the Arsenal and Burnley games. Until then, up the fucking Reds. Merry Christmas. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. 
It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.